ReachMD XM157 now presents a special programming series, Focus on Cancer. To screen or not to screen for lung cancer, that is the multi-million dollar question. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Peter Bach. Dr. Bach is an associate attending physician at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. He is a member of the Health Outcomes Research Group and from 2005 to 2006 served as senior advisor to the administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, where he oversaw the agency's cancer initiatives, evidence development work, and data policy. He is a member of the Institute of Medicine's National Cancer Policy Forum. He is a well-known author of the paper demonstrating that CT scanning for lung cancer may have no benefit. Peter, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Tell me, who survives lung cancer today? It's a great question, and the majority of people who survive after a diagnosis are those who are found to have early-stage disease. Right now, patients who present with advanced disease have a pretty poor prognosis, and of course, some of the patients do get a sort of good response to treatment, uh, particularly some of the targeted therapies, but they're a distinct minority. It's patients who present with early-stage cancer who have a relatively long survival. And that's a key distinction, and it's been a key conundrum in the lung cancer screening situation, if you will, because the logic would tell you that, okay, because the patients who survive lung cancer are mostly those who have early-stage disease, you know, typically, you know, 1A, that if we could just find more of the cancers that are early-stage and when they're 1A rather than more advanced, then we could have a major effect on lung cancer mortality. But for decades now, you know, beginning in the 1970s, when we did randomized controlled trials with chest x-ray and some including sputum cytology of lung cancer screening, we did not find that that sort of logical principle flowed through. In the randomized trials of screening, the group randomized to screening with chest x-ray more intensively, you could find vastly more early cancers, but finding them and treating them didn't translate into a reduction in lung cancer mortality in the more heavily screened group. And probably more important in terms of giving us insight was that it didn't translate into a reduction in the number of patients who presented anew with advanced disease. And so once that set of findings were reproduced in two randomized controlled trials, and I fear we're about to reproduce them again in CT screening, once we sort of had those results, we needed a new model to explain them. And the model that has been most favored is that lung cancer, most of the lung cancers that claim lives, if you will, it's going to be probably about 160,000, maybe 170,000 people this year will die of lung cancer. Those lung cancers don't exist for any meaningful period of time at an early stage when they can be removed and their natural history can be altered. But instead, there is sort of a continuum of lung cancers. The ones mostly that cause death are very rapidly progressive and very hard to catch when they're early, or maybe impossible to catch when they're early. And then there's these ones that dwell for a longer period of time, where, okay, maybe if you catch them and remove them, you alter their natural history to some extent, but it's really a tip of the iceberg phenomenon where you're really still missing most of the lung cancers you care about. And that explains why if you survey people, you do routine, regular chest x-rays or CAT scans, you find more of these small cancers that are just dwelling there and not causing symptoms. But if had you not looked, you probably would have never appeared because they would have dwelled there in some small nodule, maybe growing, sometimes shrinking, which has been seen, or being static for a very long period of time, during which time the person might age and may die of some other cause. And, you know, remember, we're looking in older smokers who unfortunately have a relatively high 
other cause mortality rate, deaths mm-hmm. from causes other than lung cancer. And so the principle, this sort of simple notion that the lung cancer grows from some small group of cells to stage, I don't know, one and then two and then three and then four, just like the numbering suggests, might just not be the right way of thinking about the disease. And certainly all the randomized data suggests it's not. But instead, the right way of thinking about the disease is, again, a not pretty simple idea, which is that most of the cancers that are going to kill people are going to progress too rapidly to be caught. But there's this whole other family of cancers that look under microscope like aggressive cancers, but, you know, pose very, very little threat. And actually, if you look in other cancers, the second idea has a lot more support than the first. Certainly, if you look in prostate cancer, we know that the increased use of the PSA test has driven up the incidence, the number of people who have prostate cancer, to a very great extent. And if you do autopsies on men, nearly all of them that get to a sufficient age have prostate cancer. And we're now finding that with increased use of CAT scanning that we're driving up the frequency of small renal cell cancers, even though the number of people who are dying of renal cell cancer or have advanced renal cell cancer isn't budging. So this notion that imaging and kind of going looking can uncover relatively indolent things that under a microscope look like cancer but clinically don't behave like the cancers that we've all seen act in devastating ways is not some bizarre, you know, out-of-the-box idea, but instead probably the likely paradigm for a lot of cancer and bodes poorly for current imaging approaches to early detection in a number of cases. Well, it seems like we have to bring screening to the next level. Is there anything ongoing there? I mean, PET scan obviously would be the first thing that comes to my mind, but there are biomarkers, genetic analysis. Is there anything that you're aware of that's you know, looking to the next generation of screening? It's a very active area, obviously. And PET scanning, in, in the broader sense that it's functional biologic imaging, it's not a static picture, is definitely an area where a number of people are looking. Again, and, you know, similarly with biomarkers, either, you know, exhaled breath biomarkers or serum biomarkers, sputum biomarkers, a number of people trying to look in this area, but it does beg the question, if you had, let's say, a positive test, but you couldn't find the thing in the lung. You know, you did, a, let's say, a CAT scan. You couldn't figure out either which of the small nodules you saw were it, or if you saw nothing, then the question is, what do you do? And so this is going to be a very complicated problem, and I don't mean to belittle it at all. It's, it's very important from a scientific perspective and a public health perspective to work on it vigorously. It's also important to not pursue technologies that we think don't work because they will both distract us and consume resources, in the case of CT screening, potentially cause harm. I want to come back to that in just a moment and pause to welcome those who are just joining us. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Peter Bach from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. We're discussing CT screening for lung cancer and outcomes. That was a very important point you were going on to, and I wanted to come back to that, because what your study really is, again, there was a wonderful book, Tipping Point, by Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, your study could certainly be a tipping point because insurance companies, Medicare, that make decisions on what they should pay for and not pay for, will use studies like this to make policy decisions. Do you feel comfortable that, based on your study, they should deny CT screening? I think you've misperceived the way these decisions are made. Okay. And having been on the reimbursement side and having worked at Medicare for two years, I have some confidence in this. It's not like my study is the only study to raise serious doubts about CT screening. There have been you know, 20 or 30 years of literature raising doubts about radiologic screening for lung cancer. There's never been a study that has shown that screening using imaging techniques for lung cancer reduces the risk of death from lung cancer. There are multiple analyses suggesting that overdiagnosis and subsequent overtreatment is a serious problem whether using chest X-ray or CT screening. And before our study was published, 
you could look at the recommendations from every major organization that makes recommendations about lung cancer screening, and not one of them recommended CT screening for lung cancer. Just correct me because maybe I'm misunderstanding. And this has appeared about six months before your paper, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. The International Early Lung Cancer Action Program published results, and they did publish on survival as opposed to mortality, which was more your endpoint. It sounds like the mortalities may have been the same, but they had a significantly increased survival period. How do you balance the two studies and how do you interpret their results and compare them to yours? So they had very interesting results. You're absolutely right. They looked at an endpoint, survival of patients who were found by CT screening to have lung cancer, and the survival was quite prolonged. And in fact, we reproduced that result exactly in our analysis, which allowed readers, or if you will, to see how that translated into a disease-specific endpoint like mortality. And, you know, what's interesting about it is this is sort of a natural progression of observational analyses. You know, you first look, as people did, you know, beginning in Japan at CT screening to see how often you could find the lung cancers. And a number of investigators in Japan demonstrated that you could find many lung cancers if you scan people. And uh, that the ILCAP group, or I think at that time they were the New York LCAP group, reproduced that result in 1999 in the Lancet. And then you look to see what the outcome is of those patients. And again, a group in Japan showed that the outcome was very, very good. And that result also in the study you referred to was reproduced first by the ILCAP group and then again by us uh, a few months later, showing that if you take look just at the patients who are found by CT to have uh, histologic foci of cells that look like lung cancer, that their disease-specific survival is quite good. But then if you actually ask whether or not you're affecting the rate of death in the population, that's a different question, and our study was the only one to try and address that. And remember, if you look way back at the chest X-ray studies, they showed the exact same disconnect that our study showed, which is why, of course, we pursued the question. They showed that the survival was much better amongst the people found by screening. But most of the patients who died of lung cancer presented with advanced disease. In other words, early detection didn't work, or they were missed entirely by the screening. And that's what happened in our study. Six of the 38 deaths were people who died of lung cancer, even though they had had negative screening tests. You know, and many of the patients had, in fact, the number of people with advanced lung cancer in these screening studies were being screened annually was the same as what we expected it to be. So it's not that the results contradict one another. It's that the one result, improved survival of patients with the screen-detected lung cancer, doesn't translate into reduction in deaths in the population that are screened. And remember, that fits with the sort of paradigm I was laying out, which is that we think that as you look with imaging, you're uncovering a separate reservoir to a large extent of early cancers, which pose little threat. So one would expect then that when you treat those early cancers that pose little threat, the outcomes are quite good. And in all likelihood, the outcomes would have been quite good had amongst that same group of people had you never screened them at all. Our audience is primarily primary care physicians. Let me take this to a practical level. A uh, patient comes to your office. He's a 45-year-old. Hopefully, he hasn't been smoking for 20 years, but coughing maybe brings up some bloody sputum. What would you do? How would you work up this patient? Would you not CT scan him? Or check, you know, what would you do so there's a take-home message for our audience? So a patient who presents with a bloody cough is a completely different situation from a patient who all they have is a risk factor like smoking. And, you know, the workup of, I'm a pulmonologist, workup of hemoptysis obviously involves sort of going through the differential diagnosis and I think in almost all cases some sort of imaging. 
But you wouldn't order in a 45-year-old a CT scan only with the thought of looking for lung cancer. There's a number of other abnormalities, including bronchiectasis and the rest of it, that could cause the hemoptysis. But I don't think that's what you're asking. 45 or 50-year-old with a heavy pack, you know, heavy smoking exposure and nothing else comes in for a routine physical and has no complaints, and they don't complain of cough or anything or any other symptoms of anything that would cause you to order a diagnostic test, would you get a CT scan? And that one's a lot easier, and the answer is no. Well, our time has just flown by. I'd like to thank Dr. Peter Bach for taking his time to chat with us today on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. Stay with the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our extensive on-demand program library and podcast features. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, as we feature a special series, Focus on Cancer.